And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. and happy new year welcome to live on four legs podcast the definitive live pearl jam podcast and uh it is 2020 and of course we are here to celebrate the brand new year on the first day of the new decade by talking about the last decade because we didn't have any 2019 shows but we want to reminisce a little bit and talk about uh, the top 10 shows of the decade that we've compiled throughout the last uh, month or so that you, the fans, have voted on. So, Randy Sobel here, John Farrar over there. John. Hello. We're, we're getting into uh, this top 10 here. How are you uh, thinking? How are you feeling about well, this? I, uh, mean, I, I voted. I mean, it seems like we, we've been voting on this thing for weeks. Um, oh, it's been it's been a long time. <laughs> so I'm sure people are uh, people are anxious to see what uh, what made the top ten. But yeah, we're we're happy to be your hangover cure for today. Uh, talk a little <laughs> bit about the last ten years of Pearl Jam, and uh, hopefully in uh, in 2030 we'll have another ten years to talk about. That's true. Yeah, I mean probably not as many big shows as we've gotten in the last decade but you know you never know you, you never know what they're going to pull out they are a band of of mystery so uh again this was voted on you the fans and once we put together the top 30 based off of the fan votes uh you know of course you're going to get people from far and wide that say well this isn't on the list this isn't on the list I gave everybody ample opportunity. We all gave everybody ample opportunity to vote and to get your favorite shows up there. And I even said, oh, yeah. vote as much as you, you know, any, as much as you want. You get every a, day. Anytime you get a fan vote, me and the baseball all star game is living proof of this. Anytime you get, oh, a, anytime yeah. you get a fan vote, you know it's it's going to be biased towards certain things. But it, that's worthwhile in its own right. You know, the fans are a big part of why this band is who they are. So. Uh, who better to uh, to pick a top ten? Of course, yeah, and, and and of course our our listeners are the best, and they they know what they know what they're talking about. Hundred percent. They listen to the shows and they go to the shows, so you know I I trust them. I think we got a, I think we've got a good list. Just because your show wasn't in the top thirty or isn't in the top ten doesn't mean that this is a bad list. Doesn't mean that your show doesn't deserve to be there. Doesn't mean your show's not good. It means. This is just what people voted for, you know. People think that the stadium shows are popular, and uh, you know, a lot of people went to the Wrigley's and the Fenways and Safeco shows, and that's what they're going to vote on because uh, they're they're popular and they're very fresh. So, you know, just keep that in mind when listening to this, because I know, 
you know, it might come off in a way as a little bit of a chalk list that you might expect what was going to be oh, there. We'll but see. we'll, we'll see. right, there are some uh, uh, there are some wrenches thrown in. Um, before we get into the list, uh, let's talk about what we can expect from this podcast in 2020. John, you want to kick it off? Oh, so many things. Where, where to start? Um, the first thing. New um, Zealand, maybe. Be, oh yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be going around the world. Uh, we've mentioned it a couple times. We're we're gonna be starting um, down under in uh, New Zealand, Australia. We're gonna work our way uh, west tour through Europe and uh, all the other little uh, places they played around uh, the world. So. We're going to cover some uh, some different shows, some different airs we haven't really covered a lot. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to uh, you know we'll get a Japanese show in there. We'll get a you know a couple of the big European shows. I'm sure we're going to hit some some of those South American shows. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. It's it's probably going to take us all year to do it. Yeah, and look, you know, we have uh, episodes that we have uh, dedicated to our patrons, so we're going to be filling in a lot of that stuff pretty early on. Uh, if you are a patron and have requested an episode, it is on our list. Uh, we have probably about five or six episodes that are on our list that'll kind of be an around the world, and then a Patreon episode, then kind of back and forth, back and forth for a little while before we kind of find our groove a little bit. Yeah, but... and, and, and let's let's take a minute to thank all the all the people that have signed up for our for our Patreon in December. Absolutely, they, we had a we had a pretty good group there. And uh, again, there's no bad time to sign up. Now is a great time. We're we're gonna have some exclusive stuff coming up that you're really gonna like. We did the the fantasy draft episode that got a really good reaction. So we're hoping to do a lot more of those coming in the next few months. So uh, yeah, patreon.com slash locking four legs. Like we always say, you know, $1 a month gives you access to everything. There are not many shows that will, that will do that for you. So uh, go in there, check it out and uh, get access to some of the, uh, all the cool stuff that we're going to be doing. And maybe if your hangover lasts a little bit longer than today, <laughs> uh, tomorrow you might see the debut of a brand new series on patreon we are starting the bridge school series oh yeah it's gonna be awesome so many so many cool shows and debuts and you know one-off things and covers it's gonna be really cool to talk about can't wait yeah me neither this is it's it's gonna be awesome we're starting right at the top at uh at 1992 and obviously you know so many uh debuts and just great stuff that they put together at those shows it's yeah, there's yeah, no I mean, lack for content yeah let's let's get into this top 10 I mean, you know people voted weeks ago they've been they've been waiting with bated breath to find out find out the top 10 Let, let's go ahead and un- unveil it sure number 10. so number 10 in our top 10 shows of the decade we kick it off with fenway park night two 2016 that is a show that we covered i was uh thankful enough to cover that show with my wife who yeah, that, had, that was an important show for you absolutely yeah and uh you know she she was there with me if you haven't listened to that episode uh you know we basically told our love story through pearl jam in a sense uh and yeah it's cheesy and yeah we do a lot of inside jokes but you know that that's us uh but you know this was personally an important show for me because it was kind of the make or break like oh is she gonna is she gonna like this band is she gonna like 
you know, a huge part of my life and it turned out she, she does. And, and it, it was great. And, you know, we had some special moments between us during the show. Uh, and, um, but besides that, you know, we weren't going to some random show elsewhere. This was a, a ballpark show. This was following up on a pretty big show, a pretty big night one. That was really, really good. Um, and there was just, you know, everybody that I come across says that this is one of the best ballpark shows that, that they've done. Yeah, and you had you had some cool uh, some cool little gems in the show. Well, what we normally do, if people are familiar, after we after each episode, after we've talked about the show, we do our top three moments. So what we want to do for these is do kind of a we'll do kind of a combined top three for each one. So um i have a feeling i'm, I'm going to defer to you since you were there yeah uh let, let's talk about our our top three moments from from fenway okay night, um night two. i would say I you, did you guys do one on that episode yeah i think we did, did. you do a top three with that one yeah okay. i think i think we did and it doesn't have to be the same no yeah i think personally for for us it was sirens and that was you know a bond between between my wife and i but um I I love the performances of both Immortality and Footsteps and just being in the outside atmosphere and being able to see the stars in the sky and and just it, it felt like you can hear the music from miles away. I don't know what they were doing, you know, miles down the road in Boston, but it felt like you were able to hear the music. It, it felt so atmospheric that both of those songs just stick into my head to this uh uh, till this day you got a little uh there was a guest appearance in this show where, where does that rank rank for uh, you um i'm not a huge aerosmith fan but it yeah. was cool If they didn't do draw the line on night one, I probably would have uh, been more excited about it. But it just, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't like hearing the same song two nights in a row, one that I really don't care for. So You're, you're, you're ever the stat chaser. Yeah, it's not even, it's not a stat chaser for that. It's just, it, it, I'm not like, I just want something different, essentially. Uh, you know, I, for yeah, taillights. They, they do that, they do that for people that can only go to one show. Yeah, of course. You know, they, they they don't want to have them be like oh Aerosmith I love Aerosmith but I didn't go the right night so they didn't do it you know they're right, going to right. both nights to make sure everybody gets a chance to hear it right they did that with Tail Lights Fade the year sure. after and right. I I was fine with that because I love that song so um, outside of that like Angel was really interesting uh, I never expected that I would get that song live I didn't even know that it was being played at that time which I think yeah they had was... only done it. At... At Telluride. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the couple of months before, yeah. So uh, I think overall, just the atmosphere and 
the the crowd and the participation in the crowd and you see you see it, it during rocking in the free world ed is playing catch with people in the front row like it, it's just it's so loose and you know uh, there's a point where Kevin Euclid, former first baseman of the Red Sox, uh, comes onto the stage, and uh, the night before they did a "I need a uke," so uke gives him a ukulele. They do "Sleeping by Myself," but this one uke comes out, and so, so uke brought Luke the uke. <sighs> I don't know how to respond Sorry, to that. <laughs> I've been I've been reading a lot of Doctor Seuss to my kids. I <laughs> Uh, yes, Uke, Uke, uh, Uke did the Luke, but there was, there was a moment during that where Ed, for some reason, he, he's inebriated as all hell. And for some reason, Euclid says something and Ed unzips his fly. He says, Oh, all the, so I forget exactly what he says, but it was kind of a funny yet uncomfortable moment. I just, it, it was, uh, it was interesting, but that it just goes to show, how loose they were on stage and how, how fun and how different the show was too. I mean, yeah. And you, you sometimes, you know, we, we, we talk about dad Ed all the time, but he can be a little mercurial at sometimes he's still got a little <laughs> bit of that mischief in him. If, uh, if, yeah. he, if things get a little crazy, he can, he can definitely get into it and, uh, and go off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now was, so. was, was this the first uh, year they played Fenway? Had they done Fenway before 2016 or no? They had not. No Fenway. Yeah, so, so yeah, this was a, this was a new thing for them, but you know, they, they've had plenty of Boston shows. They, they were definitely familiar with the town. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and honorable mentions go out to off he goes and nothing as it seems being pretty uncommon songs happening <laughs> right off the bat. So uh, that was, that was pretty, you know, unexpected. And I think, uh, a lot of people will think of those moments and, and remember those when they think of the show. So, um, if you have favorite moments of this show or any of these shows, write into us, uh, live on four lights podcast at gmail.com. Just let us know like your favorite moments and maybe we'll do like a, uh, I don't know, a, uh, a letter episode, uh, you know, a fan, a fan notes episode or something like that. And we'll get you on. Sure. Do a little something, so. I love, so so number ten, Fenway Night Two, twenty sixteen. Yep. Uh, number nine, Amsterdam Night Two, twenty twelve. Oh, it's a classic. I thought this one was going to be higher. Yeah, um, it got it got a good amount of votes, uh, but I think they were all kind of in the middle, like fifth and sixth, sort of. So you know, while. That puts them up in the rankings for the votes. It it kind of uh, it didn't get them to the levels of top five. So uh, this this is a great show, and I think anybody uh, that was at the show will tell you how spectacular it was. Um, you know, Aurelian is a huge fan of the show. He uh, he, this was his first show, and what an experience that it probably was to be at your first show. But um, just there was magic at the show uh that that a fan that had been following the band really since mother love bone um named brian farius he actually built the set list and put it together and it just it, it was a real it was a throwback set it had stuff like wash alone um uh release in the encore in that first yeah, that encore spot crazy yeah, just a lot of really interesting things that really only a fan could come up with this, I think. And this was the, and you know, 
you get you get a little different version of bugs in this show, right? This was yeah. We we talked about the the Philly version, but you get a little different version here that that was must have been really special for those people. <laughs> I got bugs, bugs in my ears, bugs in my ears, the eggs in my womb, bugs in my pocket, bugs in my clothes, bugs in places that no one will ever know. Bugs in my ceiling, bugs in my shoes, bugs in the way I feel about you. I got bugs in my room, one on one. That's when I had a chance. version of bugs it's a different version because it's just ed on a guitar the reason why was because brian had seen every other album song except for bugs right so he requested ed he said this is like one of my only you have to do it and ed said i don't have my accordion here i don't (laughs) know what to do so he went back to his hotel after night one and came up with uh with what he came up with and really it was it was interesting. It was really cool. It was completely unexpected, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this show. And and two, you know, and Brian going back to the Mother Love Bone fan club days, them doing Crown, Crown of Thorns. Thorns. Any any time you get that, like I when they played it in, uh, I believe it was one of the Columbia South Carolina show. Like, there's no reason that Columbia South Carolina should be a, a noteworthy show, but when they played it, you know, like I talked about before, you know. Ed goes over to Stone and Jeff and gives him a hug and like says a little something to him. Like, yeah, it's it's special every time they play it. So yeah. that 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 was definitely awesome. Absolutely, and uh, I, yeah, if, I, I never want to take that cover for granted. No, uh, and you shouldn't. And that'll pop up later in this uh, in this list for sure. If you were at the show or really liked the show, you have to go back to episode four in our archives to listen to it. <laughs> that uh, is and, Matt and I at our. At our most figuring it out phase, we were trying. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right, let's, let's uh, yeah, let's keep on. it moving. Num- number eight, the Ocho here. All right, so a lot of bands, especially from uh, the SOS page, a lot of European fans over there. Uh, they were really, really high on this show, and I'm glad that it made the list. Leeds, 2014. Yeah, this is one that, you know, it, I don't think it got a lot of attention at the time, but uh, but in retrospect, it's become one of the one of the classic shows of that tour. Yeah, I, you look at the set list. This is probably out of the ten. This is the one I'm least familiar with, and I, I know the set enough, but I I haven't listened to the show enough to be like, oh, this this is a definite moment. This is a definite moment. But you look at the first set and just songs that you're not going to get all in the same show ever at the same time. And this is just 
a major handful here. Ghost, Push Me, Pull Me, Don't Give Me No Lip, Army Reserve, Breaker Fall, Tremor Christ, Who You Are, Of The Girl. That's all in the first set alone. How insane is that? That's like Brandon's set from the uh, Sinless Track the other night. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, especially the Who You Are. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, and you know, it, it's loose. You know, the, even during Ghost, Ed admits that he fucked it up. And there's a funny part in it where he says, I'm going to take a selfie because I fucked it up. And Jeff is like, hey, uh, I fucked it up, too. I got to be in the selfie. And they, t- they take a picture together. <laughs> and uh, And there must be some... There must be some secret ABBA Pearl Jam connection because this is there's only been two shows where they've covered an uh, an ABBA song and this is one and they both showed up on this list. So the story was that everybody was chanting for Jeff to sing, and that was what Ed suggested that he sing. <laughs> there's a fun moment uh you know i mean this is another show look this could go down as one of the best encore twos i've ever seen oh yeah unbelievable i think that in and of itself it's hard to pick a moment moment but like songs yeah, and not just 10 songs, 10 incredibly strong Encore 2 songs. Like, it, this is this is almost three Encore 2s packed into one. That's how good this is. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to, uh, I think, you know, you, you never know, but I have a feeling this one might show up on the, uh, on the Around the World when we get to... Uh we get to that location i think there's a really good chance to get there so uh what would you uh what would you say would be the moment from this show to take away from it uh probably that you know that starting off when you get when you get tremor christ at number nine to get a song like that and that's a song that like is the benchmark of like oh okay this is going to be one of those nights you know there's there's kind of a point in the set when you get those those special nights and it, it can be anywhere it doesn't have to be a wrigley or a you know amsterdam or wherever there's there's kind of there's always a place in this in the set where it turns and like it could go one one of two ways you know and if you get a tremor christ and you're like oh okay and then you know two songs later to get who you are and goes together then you know those those people must have been like freaking out knowing knowing what was going to happen later on so yeah, yeah it only got better it only a lot of shows like and you know a lot of people listen as you can think about shows that you've been to like you, you you're so excited for the anticipation and then that moment happens in the show where it kind of turns and you realize like oh shit this is going to be one of those shows you know that must have been like amazing for those people that that, that would have done it for me 
this is like a sporting event where, and maybe akin more to a football game and not, uh, not a baseball game as I like to make reference to, uh, where something big kind of happens and it's like, okay, now the game is like tied. A, a turnover or a punt return or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then things just, you know, something bigger keeps happening and then people, more time people keeps. Are watching their January 1st bowl games and we're, we're tying into that very nice. We're tying well it. Done. Yeah. Well yeah. Um, you know, and people and the game gets uh, – to, to the end and, and you go into overtime and then there's an interception and it's just all of these things. Like I, I think that there was a really fantastic uh, Broncos Ravens uh, playoff game from, I don't know when Manning was on the Broncos. Uh, I believe it was the year the Ravens won the Super Bowl, but that was one of the most unbelievable games I've ever seen in my life. And that is the definitive what this game is, yeah, and I think, uh, and, uh, what this and, show is. And, you know, they talk about, you tie it in because it's about momentum, right? So right. And they always talk about that in sports. Like this team has momentum, this team has momentum. You know, Pearl Jam shows have the same kind of momentum, right? They can 100%. go, like I said, they can go one or two ways. You know, certain songs build it up. Certain songs might not work. You might lose momentum. But this show, especially Leeds, it, it kept the momentum going the whole way. And keep in mind, uh, you know, obviously Eddie, huge Who fan, live at Leeds. That has to be some inspiration there as to why – this show was a 36, 37 and they did, show. they did do a couple of who covers. They did. Yeah. Leaving here. And I believe they did real me, real me. And, and was there a Baba in that show too? There was a Baba in the show yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So a ton of who, all right. Uh, that's, uh, all right. Leads, now we're leads 2014. Number, number seven. All right. You guys like seven. this one. Uh, we're sticking in 2014. Moline, Moline. Uh, but everybody knows this as Mo Code. Do they? Um, well, I feel like that, that's a little bit of a stretch, but, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll, not uh, Mo Code, but they know it as the No Code <laughs> show, I would say. Right. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, this and it's came, forever. It, it came out of nowhere. Speak going back to places that, you know, talking about, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a Fenway or a Wrigley or a Seattle to get a special sure. show. Who would have thought when when this tour was announced that Moline was going to be the one that would end up making the top ten? Right, exactly. Just yeah, it's not Chicago. It's just it's the John Deere tractor town in Illinois. You know, it, it's really when you think about it. Uh, I I was looking at shows to to go on that tour, and I picked Memphis because you know Memphis over Detroit and over some other cities. Uh, that, that was a city I wanted to be in. I didn't even consider Moline cause I didn't know where it was or what it was and yeah. look at what happened. So, um, really, and, and Ed kind of mimics all that we're saying here. And the best thing that he says, uh, and this is in between, um, you know, from hail, hail to who you are, uh, which is interesting. We'll get into that in a sec, but Ed says, you know, we've never been to Moline before. So it's been like a blind date, right? So I just gotta say, we walk in here like a blind date, and, and you get there, and then she opens the door and is like, she's hot. It's <laughs> good. All right, have fun tonight. Let's get it going. Transfer where we are. 
from that moment on, you know something special because he he he's alluding to hey, we're about to do something really cool. Hang tight and and enjoy the ride. And uh, you know the whole who you are thing with Matt and Jeff kind of doing in my tree instead, and then Matt just dropping just a step down and and going into who you are uh like that kind of it it just it spelled uh the night where it was just kind of unpredictable and and kind of fun in a way where even the band was just like really we're we're doing this we're doing no code yeah i wonder how premeditated of a of a thing it was you know did is that something that he brought to them you know it'd be interesting to go back i was i was going back and looking at the few shows that came before uh, to see, you know, if they did, if they were practicing no code. Cause at this show, you know, people forget, people always talk about no code, but they went on and played a, a great show after that too. It's definitely yeah. more to talk about, but the, you got like, uh, you got in in hiding. Uh, you got a couple of things off of yield that were kind of teasing what was to come right. a few days later in Milwaukee. So I was going back and looking, we didn't really get a lot of no code in Memphis. Did we get any? I don't remember. No, but let's see. In Detroit, Detroit, you get a you know you get a Lucan, but they didn't really tease it a lot. So I wonder if it was something that they just worked out in the on the bus or something, or who knows? Know, but yeah, but that that moment when because I you know being at at the Greenville show when they did verses, it was that moment when when daughter starts and you're like, wait a minute, go animal daughter, like something's happening here. Mm. it's that moment it would have had to have been during during who you are where everyone kind of goes like wait a minute yeah this is gonna something crazy is happening right now is it's that it's always that moment you look at when when like i was just talking about when the show turns and when all of a sudden that that crowd like surges and you feel that momentum and it just elevates the band to another level right. this is a great show from top to bottom yeah, and I think during Smile kind of says it all that the crowd is just fully in trance at this point where they're like, we are in the middle of history. It's not that we're just not, we're getting no code. This is going to be one of the best shows we ever see. Yeah, um, and they were, you know, he was inspired enough to even write a song about the town that they started the uh, Encore One with. I wonder, you know, that, that was probably just based on the reaction they got. That, that might have been just spur of the moment. Yeah, it was, I I think he said on the show, he said, you know, it was something that I kind of wrote up while I was on the bus today. And, and he, he even kind of messed up a little, a few times. He's like, wait a minute, it's not this, it's this. And, and he was playing around and it was a fun moment. Uh, but I think for most people that weren't there and, and saw that they did a song named Moline, I think they thought maybe it was a Dolly Parton song. Well, you know, and it's you know we we can. It's the first thing that, get that that wouldn't have been the worst thing either. But no, I, um, but yeah, how cool is it for you know for those people in that town that went to that show to get to have that song you know about their town you know and it was a much good less, song much too. Less than no code stuff, sure. Yeah, that you know that that gets in my head. Yeah, we, we don't get as many often. improvs now as we as we used to. So when they come around, they're uh, they're definitely worthwhile. 24 songs in the first set that's you know the they did elderly woman before going into no code so that's 14 and then they did 10 more after this and that's kind of including interstellar overdrive uh but that's pretty amazing that's pretty incredible uh you know the rest of the show was fantastic too so i think we said the moment here the moment is during who you are Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah 
the other I would have been I would have been freaking the fuck out I can tell you that right yeah. now like uh, oh, no yeah. code's my no code's my favorite album like I would have I would have killed it at this show yeah absolutely and good, good good choice people good voting yeah and I feel bad for the St Paul Minnesota people that had to be in between Moline and Milwaukee <laughs> uh, it's you know but worse things have happened so sure all right on to number six number six. All right, we get, mentioned get there. we mentioned that there were two shows on this list that had ABBA references, and this is the second show, Seattle, Night Two, two thousand and eighteen. It's I mean it's only fitting that there should be a Seattle show on this list. You know they've had so many good ones, and and this is one that people talk about as maybe being the best one of those two thousand eighteen of that two thousand eighteen run. Oh yeah, it's it's. I, I mean, there are tons, and it's debatable for sure. But this, I believe, this led in the votes in the singular uh, 2018 one. I believe this led in the votes by by a mile. Uh, but I think what makes this really impressive is that you look at the first night show. It's it's fine. It's not bad. It's got some you know rarities, but it it's it's like an all star game almost. You're inviting all of the favorites and you're inviting you know some of the legends and and uh to kind of be there and and shake hands and and take pictures and that's what you know some of the uh the older songs are but you get to night two and you open up with oceans into footsteps and that's where like you were saying before with leads really early on in this show you're saying to yourself this is different this is not going to be something that we're going to be expecting oh definitely and you get to you know you you have to get you have to wait till the end of the first set to get something almost from the 2000s you know you know it's a lot of 90s mm-hmm. in this the beginning of this main set which is which is something they don't do very often they did it at at wrigley night two 2016 when i was there and i think it was of the earth that finally broke the broke the streak of 90 songs but yeah just a you got you got your rare stuff in there you got some amazing songs like going that that cold we talk about the slow opens you know you normally get a release or a wash but to get oceans and footsteps and nothing man is just yeah it sets the tone for the whole night and then you know i want to mention that they did the the chris cornell song yeah uh missing uh another special moment
everybody recognized it. It was kind of a from that. I think it's from the Poncier demo from Singles, but right. they did they really did a good job with it and reworked it in a really cool way. Yeah, and I actually um, I didn't recognize it at the time, but then afterwards I kind of figured it out because I saw them perform it uh, when I saw Temple of the Dog. So kind of a good throwback to that but i still get chills hearing that version and and knowing that it was a cursed song and knowing that like they're doing it justice and and just matt's little beat that he has to it that kind of like that almost like clicking uh uh stick tap uh that gets me every single time jeff comes in with the bass on that oh man that's it's such a unique song that i uh you know, it it still gives me chills just listening to that version. So definitely, I think one of my favorite moments from the show. And you know, they were in a they were in a good mood because you get a lot of covers in these yep. encores. You've got "I Won't Back Down," "Crown of Thorns." Again, we talked about how special that always is. Of course, Seattle kick, big ballpark. Yeah, kick, kick out the jams. Uh, Fernando, for all you ABBA people out there, congratulations. Well, you know uh, how Fernando came came <laughs> about on that show. Uh, they got into rearview mirror. They realized they fucked it up and improved on the spot. Improved Fernando, and then went into rearview mirror. And then you get you get a crazy Mary, search and destroy Sonic producer Baba O'Reilly and Encore Two. So yeah, you, you know they're in, they're in a good mood when they're just when they turn into like the local bar cover band. And really, it's it's all their friends that are coming on stage oh, with yeah. them. Kim yeah. from Soundgarden, Mark Arm, Steve Turner, all join out for you know. Uh, kick out the jams and search and destroy and Sonic the Reducer. Like this is, this is basically their homecoming. This is a home. They were called the Home and Away shows for a reason. And you know, obviously the the benefit for these shows was to uh, fight homelessness in Seattle, and they've raised a ton of money uh, during uh, you know both shows and really a major success really major success and it's interesting too how a lot of these shows on this top 10 list are are end up being night twos you know a lot of the a lot of the night two shows end up being really special because you know they've gotten the the first night under the belt they haven't had to travel so they they usually play around a little more and a little more loose and a little more you know crowd friendly during those night two shows Yep, and uh, you know, I think uh, this is a show that you can look out for pretty early on in 2020. Oh, yeah. This was a request, so yep. we are fulfilling it. Uh, probably late January, early February, if uh, if I'm guessing, but yeah. uh, we are fulfilling this very soon. So if you're a fan of this show, a lot of people have been requesting this show, so uh, hang tight, you're getting it. All right. Top five here. Number five. We just said two seconds ago that most of these shows on this list are night twos, uh, but the next two are going to be night ones. So Toronto night one, 2011 made number five. Yeah, This is, this is a crazy show. Um, you think about you know, Toronto, Anytime you get a Canadian show, you're always going to think of Neil Young, and he makes uh, uh, an epic appearance in this show. He does, yeah. This was really an incredible moment. I mean, I remember when this happened. I, mean, I think I was. This was back. You know, you always follow the shows on the forums, and people were like, "Oh, Neil Young's there. Neil Young's there. 
Neil Young's there. Right. And uh, yeah, it worked out worked out very well for those people. This would have been an epic one to be at. Oh, hundred percent deserves, deserves a place in the top five. Yeah, there's a reason they actually. Um, uh, Apple Music made this a free bootleg uh, back in, in 2011. I had this show. This was one of the very few shows that I had that I hadn't gone to. So I listened to this pretty religiously. And uh, just knowing that really from the start where in Long Road, uh, you hear Ed say, Neil walks the Long Road, it kind of gives you that chill of, I, I know what's happening later. And then... He joins on stage. There's a moment that they kind of do the call and response for uh, Rockin' in the Free World, and Neil joins on stage, and it's almost like it didn't just shock the fans, it shocked the band, too. still looks like holy crap this is actually happening and i mean they've known neil for 20 years at this point so you know they're they're friends but how often does this get to happen it happened in toledo in 2004 oh, but almost never and you know we talk about you know we, we do a lot of set list breakdowns and you know we people like to hear the rare stuff but you know this show you have so many epic you know i always talk about the songs that that are crowd friendly and that the crowd has a moment for those moments in the show. You get a, you get to do the evolution early. You get a nothing as it seems where Mike gets to go crazy, followed up with elderly woman, not for you, given a fly, just breathe daughter unthought known porch on the first set. And you get a better man, black rear view mirror in encore one. And only this, I think this is only the second appearance of Chloe dancer, right? It's actually the first Chloe dancer appearance that Chloe happened into crown of thorns. Into crown of thorns. Yeah. So, and that was pretty impactful that I think the three most impactful tracks from this bootleg, when I listened to it religiously back in the day, were long road rocking in the free world and Chloe crown, mm -hmm. because oh, yeah. I didn't really know 
Chloe, I knew Crown of Thorns because of the PJ20 documentary, which this at that time was about oh, to come sing, out. Single soundtrack, single soundtrack. I did not have the single oh. soundtrack. I was still very, very young in, in the phase of uh, of my Pearl Jam <laughs> fandom. But I, I learned. I learned. I got there. Yeah. But when they played uh, Chloe Dancer into Crown of Thorns at Wrigley, I don't know if I would have known Chloe Dancer if it weren't for this show and listening to the show so often. Mm-hmm. So... And it just goes to show too what an epic show this was. They we didn't even mention the the man trilogy yeah. played. Yep. Uh, you know, nothing man, better man, leather man. That would have been a that would have been a top moment in most of the shows, but it barely gets a mention here. Was a was it a thing back then? Did uh, or did it kind of from there people recognize it? Was it was it a thing? It, in like it, well, it was definitely a thing going back okay. to you know they when they started doing it in '98 or whatever. It was definitely a thing. Okay. Um, one other thing I think that we need to mention is that this is the 10th anniversary and I know they're in Canada, but uh, you know, to open with long road on the 10th anniversary of nine 11, uh, Absolutely. that's pretty special, especially cause you know, they played it for a benefit show around the time right after, uh, the, the tragedy mm-hmm. happened. It's, it's one of their, one of their deeper songs, you know, he wrote it about, one of his high school teachers and like it's it's definitely got some some deep emotions and some deep feelings behind it yeah and always comes out whenever they play it so yeah it's one of the best one absolutely absolutely so all right uh night one toronto 2011 made number five on the list why don't we get to number four and four, blazing through these. yeah we got another night one on our hands pj 20 night one uh, you knew that was going to show up. Uh, yep. Um, so I guess we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about PJ 20 at all. And that's, that's a real shame. And it's just, I, the reason is we're, we're just trying to find the right time. And I think too, it's, it's sort of a, it doesn't really fit in with, with a flow, even from that year, it's, it's kind of a one-off right thing. You know, we, we talk a lot about trends and, you know how things evolve and all this but you know pj20 kind of stands alone as a as its own thing it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the history of that year but but you know absolutely great shows nonetheless and and you know you you know i'll give you some credit you you were at all of these top four shows if i don't want to spoil too much <laughs> i was so, at five uh, Randy, i was at five of the top ten and, and yes i was at the yeah. top four I had so, no influence so in... whatsoever on this list. <laughs> I didn't even vote. Uh, I was at I was at zero of them. Um, but I'm gonna yeah. This is this is your time. Uh, tell us uh, tell us what it was like to be there. At PJ twenty nine one. It was just I was very young at the time. I think it was about twenty five. Um, it was an experience, uh, and you know it. I I don't remember the performances as much as I remember just being there and being around all the fans and kind of understanding how happy people were for the band that like we get to celebrate with them, their 20th anniversary, how special it was. Um, and night one, you know, it, 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 I just, 
there's so many, you know, coming of age stories that came out of this trip. You know, one being that, you know, a, a kid from the Northeast that has never been to the Midwest or has been to the Midwest like one or two times uh, goes to this small rural town in Wisconsin and asks for milk in, in his coffee and they look at him like he has five heads. They, you know, all they had was cream. So they, they at a we were at a restaurant and they brought me a glass of milk to put in my coffee. And it just, it was just things like that, that I, you know, I didn't expect to see coming. And that, that, that's really, those are the things that I take away from this weekend the most, but really, uh, when you're starting you, night one, do you remember there? Do you remember there being a good energy in the crowd? Was there like an electricity in the air? Like sometimes okay. you get these shows where where you know, like you know, we talked about Moline and and Leeds and stuff, but this this show, people knew it was going to be special okay. before they even went. On the stage, so here's right? here's what I'm I'm getting at here with this night one. Uh, the rain came down and the, some of the opening acts were canceled and we didn't leave to go to the venue to go to Alpine Valley until, I don't know, like two or three o'clock. And even then there was still a lot of rain coming down. We were in ponchos. There was a point where I went and I got food and I, I tripped, I, I slipped and I, I dropped like chicken tenders or something like that. And I got so mad that I threw my, my tray. <laughs> yeah. And we were, we were on the grass for night one. So we were, it was a struggle to find a spot and you know, there's kind of a slope down. So, you know, it, it was, it was a really uncomfortable show. And I think that atmosphere was more restless and like, okay, you know, we've kind of, we've been pushed back and the times got pushed back a little bit. We've been pushed back and we sat through some openers like mud honey and, and the strokes and uh, Queens of the stone age. And we're really just bring the band out here. And, while the set was pretty good, and I think there were definitely absolutely memorable moments from it, um, you know, I, I think that there was a more of a sense, obviously we'll get to it very shortly, but there was more of a sense from night two that something really special was happening. But you felt it night one. It was just, it came with with all the hassle. But in retrospect, it's just part of the great story. Now, were you familiar with uh, Temple of the Dog at this point? Were you enough of what kind of a thing that that was in the encore when they when they came out and did those songs? Yeah, enough. Uh, I kind of didn't really know Stardog Champion at the time, but I mean, I fell in love with it instantly. Um, I, I, I the second best Mother Love Bone song. What's the first? Uh, Crown of Thorns. Oh, okay, well that's that's kind of biased. Is it? Uh, well, I don't know. That's up to you. Oh. I think people write in live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. I don't know. I love stargazer. I think, I think people agree with me. I love Holy Roller. You know, uh, there, there are lots of great songs from that album. Uh, anyway, uh, I knew, I knew how special it was going to be because I knew that they were going to do hunger strike at some point. And they, that's how they finished that little patch at the end there. But, um, I think that the first night of temple was a lot better because just the sheer surprise of it, uh, that they had really never played Temple live before. Um, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, it had, it had been twenty years almost. Right, and there were a lot of rumblings going around that day of who was there and who wasn't there, and and who should be there. And Chris Cornell was the one that 
it was pretty much guaranteed that he was going to be there and, and you were wondering what they were going to do with it. And, uh, you know, looking back, I, I, I think that I would have appreciated it more had I known what I know now, but, uh, I, I think there's still a sense of maybe just a little, a little bit of resentment that they did that much temple at this whole weekend. I, I wanted to see more Pearl Jam, especially from night two, but I liked it on night For one. me, getting, you know, getting reached down would have been the highlight when, when Mike goes off on that solo. Yeah. That, that would have been the best part for me. night uh julian casablancas uh doing not for you uh josh homie doing uh in the moonlight with them this was a weekend of just getting their friends on stage and performing with them just performing with guests yeah, it's like is it's a celebration mm-hmm. right yeah and that's why you know that's why it, like we said it doesn't really fit in with the rest of that that tour or or anything else but uh but yeah the especially uh julian casablancas i think he talked about how how much of an influence Pearl Jam were on on their band and on him, so yeah, which I cool would have never expected. Which is I know, crazy. yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's cool to to give them a chance to kind of let the other kind of let people you know fet them a little bit, as they say. Yeah. Um. All right. PJ twenty night one. Right. I think we uh, covered that intensely, and yeah, and we'll, then uh, to think you know this year's going to be PJ thirty. That's insane. 
Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have to do some. Uh, we're gonna have to do some celebrating for that. Maybe, uh, maybe a little off ramp show. Maybe uh, Las we'll Vegas, see. Denver. We'll see. All of the above. All of the above. Yeah, I, there there will be celebrations this year. That is for damn sure. Maybe our uh, maybe our patrons will have a say in that. Speak up. This is for everybody. This is for patrons, for non patrons, yeah. for first day listeners. You know, first day listeners from yeah. September 2018. This is for everybody. So right on into live and four lights podcast at gmail dot com. All right, we're on number three of this so, list, right? Top three shows of the decade. This is huge. This yeah. is huge. So we kind of tipped our cap to one of them, but uh, yes, I was at all three of these. Um, number three is Wrigley 2013. So this kind of kicked off the whole ballpark trend that we have today that, you know, they'll do Fenway and they do Wrigley. They've done Wrigley three times, Fenway twice, uh, Safeco that one time, uh, and that's not including both nights. Uh, but you know, this is sort of this is the big shows that the bands are putting together big weekends for now. And, and I just remember I didn't have tickets to this until about maybe a month before the show. Uh, I got a call from a friend, and she said that her friend uh, had bailed on it, and I was in right away. I bought a plane ticket, and I was out there. And this is, you know, I was a little, I was a little older than I was at PJ 20. So I, I, I think I knew more and I think it was a little bit more experienced and ready for a big show like this. But, um, I don't think anybody can really prepare themselves for this, this whole entire day, the blistering heat waiting on those lines, uh, for merch and then getting up there and not getting a damn thing, getting like a minor manor shirt. And that's all they had. Uh, I, I redeemed myself later when I was able to, to break the trend instead of getting two posters, I got three posters. Uh, but I, pay, I, I paid it off and I gave one of the posters to one of the girls that was behind me that sold out. So, uh, and then gave the other one to Steve, uh, but it was the rain. It was just the weird yeah, weather I mean, day. How, yeah. How did you remember them coming out and like making the announcement? What was going through your mind? So we kind of knew beforehand. We knew that there was a period in time that it was supposed to that there was weather in the forecast that it was supposed to rain, and we were just hoping that it would just kind of it would fly by, it would fly through, and and it would be quick and and easy. But um, you know. They start the show, I want to say they started the show at like 7, 7.30, and they get through seven songs, and, you know, before Elderly Woman, Ed says, all right, you know, we're going to have to work with this a little bit, guys, and, you know, there's rain in the forecast, so this is going to be the last one for a while, and then you get the security guard coming on stage and saying everybody in the GA has to evacuate, and boy, was that a bitch. Um <laughs> I so for the first probably like the first hour or half hour I just stayed at the seats because we were on the first base side. I would say we were in like the fifth row uh, of a baseball game. We were, we had good seats. I would say like the first hour we were just kind of hanging out in the seats. Um, 
uh, Sabelle, who we were at uh, PJ20 with, uh, I was with at this show, and she is uh, the queen of the ponchos. She brings ponchos everywhere she goes. So uh, she she's one of the best Pearl Jam buddies you can you can ask for. She's she's a mom. She has everything that's that's on her you know if if you need a first aid kit or something like that she she has you covered so she she's one of the best pearl jam buddies you can ask for um but you know i i I just remember you know i didn't want to get involved with the crowds and then there was a point where you say god damn it i'm hungry i'm thirsty yeah yeah and now do you remember do you remember the feeling when they when they came back out when everything's cleared up what was the what was it like? Were were people ready or were people oh, God. bummed out a little bit? Like oh God, what, they, what was the energy? What was the energy like in that building when they came back? Ready to explode? Yeah, ready to absolutely explode. There was a time, like I said, I went and I got food. They wouldn't let us back into our seats. We had to stay in the corridor. We had to stay in there, and they didn't have any food left. They had like French fries, and they I think they tapped out a beer. I think i was able to get a water but people behind me weren't uh but they had tapped out of almost everything and you have about you know 400 people that are in this and the quarters in wrigley field are so small the the play you know the just yeah because it was built in 1908 or whatever right exactly and you and they the security guards won't let you on the field so you're kind of on this ramp and people are just getting restless the whole time and they're just like they're starting chants and they're just saying we want pearl jam and then they're just they're doing let's go cubs and they're doing this and that and and the other and i think because it was about 10 o'clock or so, maybe mm-hmm. eleven. That they I want to say eleven, stage. yeah, because they they played until what two thirty in the morning, almost three o'clock, right? Yeah, almost three. I think we yeah. got we got into the car. It was three o'clock, yeah. uh, but once they went back on stage and he came out with uh, with Ernie Banks, the place was just they were ready to to rock. They were ready to go. Uh, it was an unbelievable crowd from start to finish. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get, obviously they got it a couple of years later, but you're not going to get that experience of being in a crowd until, you know, 2.30 in the morning and hearing all these songs. And and really, you talk about moments from the show. Some of them are the moments that you didn't get, like Sleight of Hand and Other, other Side and uh, a couple of those other songs that were left off the set that were... And, you know, and too, this gets overshadowed too, but this was kind of the beginning of the lightning bolt era. Yeah. And it started with a literal lightning bolt. <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. Wow. That's, uh, and it's kind of incredible because this night was the debut for the song Lightning Bolt.
YouTube and playing it about oh a hundred times that night. Oh, you remember, you remember back when back when there were hopes that you would get a new Pearl Jam album sooner than every seven years. <laughs> yeah, Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. You know, you you got that, and you got mind your manners and future days, and it it really set the tone for October and the tour that was about to come, the album that was going to come out, and boy, was that was like, I I couldn't have been more of a happier Pearl Jam fan at that time. I think that was my favorite era of being a Pearl Jam fan. And I I do want to mention before we move on, you we we talked about it. I think at the the gorge episode that we did where they have a tendency to break out crown of thorns at shows that yeah. are special like that. And it's no surprise to me that it's showing up on a lot of these top 10 shows. Yeah. And, and this one's no exception. You knew they were going to do this, uh, at Wrigley. So that, I'm sure that was a special moment. Yeah. And like I is. said, like I said before, I think it was way more special for me because of that Toronto bootleg and knowing mm-hmm. it from that show. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, just, just loved it. Great moment. So, do you have a favorite moment from this show or we didn't really talk about the songs that much? Yeah, I don't think we have to. I think people know, you know, and, and this is one, I think, again, we're going to, we're going to have to do, might probably going to show up at, this year at some point. You would think. Uh, so we'll get into it. We'll get into it more then. I just, you know, I just want to just talk about the experience, man, just what it was like to be there. You know, we'll talk about the songs and we'll talk about the set list, but for these top 10 shows, you know, they're, they're special for a reason, you know, the, the fans picked them for a reason, you know, for the people that were there, I, it must. It was a, a super special experience. You know, I was I was lucky enough to go to both 2016 shows, um, which were amazing. But this was the one that kind of started it all. Yeah, it really did, and it kind of it kicked off the new era, like you said, the Lightning Bolt era. It was kind of a new, a live experience era for the band too. So yeah. and yeah. the fans. All right, we're uh, we're two away here. All right, from finishing this Top list. Two. Okay, we did night one of the big weekend. Now we have at number two, PJ20, night two. So you get past all of the uh, the rain and the weather and, and all that stuff that happened in night one, the restlessness. Uh, night two was a completely different experience. Uh, you know, the opening acts were going on at the right time. Uh, the sun was out. It was it was a nice day. It was not too hot. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was really hot at all. I think it was in the seventies. Uh, but we went early. We got to see every opening act from Danny Harrison's band, the new number two, to Liam Finn, to uh, to Glenn Hansard, which was amazing, to X, which was awesome. Uh, and all of those side stage bands that we didn't get a chance to see some of them, I don't know, even know some of them didn't get to play, uh, on the first day. So we pretty much saw everything. And, uh, at one point we were in the first row for some of those, uh, I remember, but, uh, cool experiences. And then Ed actually joined a couple of them, I think. Uh, he definitely joined Glenn Hansard to do Falling Slowly, and I think that's... Yeah, I remember watching that on YouTube. That's just yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable moment. Uh, and 
you know, Glenn tells a story beforehand about what the song was for and, you know, kind of said that he called Eddie during, you know, the time that uh, that the incident happened and they talked about, you know, what happened with them with Roskilde and, uh, you know, their chemistry on stage together was just absolutely just just awesome. They, they're the best of friends there. And still you know, is, you know, he, he came out and. In Seattle, when Glenn played uh, a few months ago, and did, yeah, uh, did a couple of songs, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, I, I, like you, you get this chemistry music-wise, where you find two people that like are on the same wavelength, and Eddie has that with a lot of people, but it's uh, it's really different, really unique with somebody like Glenn Hansard, who's completely different style than him. If you want to hear uh, Glenn Hansard in a rock band, you can go back and watch the Commitments. He was uh, he was one of the people in the band in the Commitments. <laughs> Uh, so more about the day, um, you know, obviously the other opening bands, uh, from, like we said before, Strokes, Queens of Stone Age, Mudhoney, uh, all awesome. You know, we were in seats that night, so it, it was easier for us, but, uh, I love Queens of Stone Age. I love the Strokes. Ed came out and played Cowbell on Little Sister for Queens of the Stone Age. So that was fun. Ed was all over the place this day. He, you know, I, I think he did Golden State with x or it wasn't even x i think it might have just been john doe hmm. yeah I, I i can't remember if it was yeah. if it was x or just john doe but um yeah. uh he was all over the place he was he was collaborating with just about everybody there there was to collaborate with and they were you know obviously got the opportunity to come back on stage and collaborate with them which was you know they were all invited to that show for a reason they were friends they were you know uh uh, it just had this feel of just a bunch of friends getting together for a reunion or, or show. So, um, and you know, in the, in the set list here, you know, they know that people coming to the show are coming to see them. Yeah. They don't have to worry about, they know that these are going to be the hardcore fans that are traveling. So, you know, that's why they, they feel comfortable. You know, you talk about a set one with wash all night, pilot habit, Leatherman, Satan's bed, you know, and then an encore two of all covers. I think this was the this is probably the better Temple of the Dog, right? We talked about that a little well, bit again. I was actually a bigger fan of the first okay. night Temple of the Dog. So I get you get I all night before. all night thing, which is kinda cool, and another reach down with another crazy bike solo. So Yeah, I kinda I, I really I wanted this night to be all about Pearl Jam and that was selfish for me. Uh I I enjoyed the Temple stuff, but I it kind of felt like when they did reach down for a second time, it kind of felt like it was just Chris kind of doing, and I don't want to speak ill will of him because, you know, like in retrospect, it doesn't even matter. But, um, you know, I, I just thought that he shouldn't have been center stage at this show that it was, it was a nice one-off and if they wanted to do something else like a green river tribute or something like that, uh, I would have been fine with that. But I, I think I wanted I can, more I Pearl see, Jam. I think if you remember too, I think in, in the, in the book, they, I think Jeff talks about, he didn't even want to do a PJ 20 festival. You know, they, they're, they're not a band that likes to look back and they, you know, they right. want to be looking forward and going on to the next thing. But um, yeah, I think there was, it, it's interesting that they, this is kind of the only time that this has happened where they've kind of taken an opportunity to kind of celebrate themselves and, and look back. So it's, it's definitely a one-off thing. I, I, I doubt we'll get a PJ 30 
festival somewhere you know i don't I just don't think they're in that frame of mind right now yeah i it, it's tough to tell but you know they could be convinced again they were convinced once so we'll we'll see that that weekend is always that september uh, you know right around labor day weekend that's always a pretty open weekend for them where they're you know they're willing to to bust out some good shows that's when the fenway shows happened and you know so I don't know. Maybe we can see it in 2021. Who knows? But uh, what would you say would be a favorite moment for you for from this show? Oh man, um, I gotta say that that encore two with Temple of the Dog. I mean, I I wasn't there, but getting something like that. I know you know we, we can talk about wanting Pearl Jam shows. You got three encores worth. So I think you got your fill of Pearl Jam. Oh songs. yeah, no, you did, um, but but to get to get those rare songs I talked about and then to get an encore two with hunger strike, call me a dog all night thing, reach down. And then to top it off with sonic producer, I would have been, I would have been in a puddle on the floor after that. Yeah. Um, I loved Glenn Hanser doing smile with them. You know, that was incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah, moment. I was going to ask you, were there any guests? There was the same guest from night one to night two, right? Was there any, were there any different guests on night two? Uh, not different. No, it was yeah. just, uh, the same guests doing different stuff. I think like, sure. uh, they had a whole bunch of, you know, just the opening acts do the harmonies and who you are on night one. Uh, then Danny Harrison got to play. That's George Harrison's son. He got to play on elderly woman night two. Uh, I can't remember if Josh Homme did something else. I don't think he did. Uh, Liam Finn got to do habit with them. Which oh, yeah, was, that, that's really cool. I saw him open up for Eddie solo, and he yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, uh, it was funny. He actually, in his set, he op- kind of opened up. He kind of teased Habit in his set earlier that day, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and I think my other favorite moment um, from this was just Eddie's playful banter with Stone in the first encore where Ed said, we went back there, we're trying to figure out what songs to play, and I really want to play this song. We were back there, I was saying, Stone, we gotta play this song, we gotta play this song. We gotta play this song, Matt thought we should play this song, and all he said was, no way. Yeah. 
resentment from Stone about playing No Way for some reason, which uh, I can never understand. They should bust it out way more often. Well, but... Yeah, you know, Stone, If you know, from the movie, Stone always wants to play the hits. He wants to come out and 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 destroy people with with the the big rock arena song so sure i don't don't think he's a fan of the the deep cuts yeah and that was a one that was one that he wrote too so i'm sure that there's something in there that he's not happy with or or he just doesn't think translates live very well so you know but that to me that i didn't think i would get that song ever again i I, I probably won't. So there's a lot of songs from yeah, this band I, that I, I don't got think the I'll ever get second again. Second or third performance of it back in Atlanta '98. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. You're talking yeah, to yeah. two people right here that got to see, and it's only been played what ten to twelve times, something like that. So all right, so the, the time has come. Yeah. Number one, we covered as, it a couple as voted on weeks by ago. you. You, the fans, have voted for this. Uh, we covered it a couple of weeks ago or months ago, uh, and Buckley and I were in attendance at this show and just did a glowing review of it. And honestly, once we're done with this, go listen to that show because that's probably one of the best episodes that we'll ever do. I mean, you can't get much better than the world's most famous arena in New York City, Madison Square Garden, night two, 2010. Boy, was that probably the best show i've ever been to yeah i'm, I'm not Just surprised that this this was musically that. atmospheric and, and energy and everything it was just perfect yeah it's it's a rare all those things come together and you get the band on a high you get the crowd on a high in a venue like that there's no way and especially like we talked about a uh, night two there's no way this wasn't going to be an epic show and it from from top to bottom, there there's not a bad moment in it. We play at the beginning of the show. We we play our little uh, theme song that takes about oh you know two minutes to finish. And in the beginning, you hear Eddie say, uh, "And away we go." There's a reason why it's there, and that's because I wanted this show, this podcast, to somehow capture the same energy that we felt that night. And it, it doesn't come close, by the way. Spoiler alert, it does come close. But uh, uh, but it just that line you said from f- top to bottom, that line is what kicked it off. And I just remember them going into Corduroy and being like, oh, this is, this is going to be a trip. This is going to be an absolute blast. And you hear it during that whole song. Ed is feeling the stage a la uh, Live at the Garden DVD with uh, Do the Evolution. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. And it's just, it's a wild version of Corduroy. What's to, to follow that are spectacular versions of Hail Hail and Do the Evolution. And we can be on this whole entire set list for hours and hours yeah, like and we you, did earlier you think about it too this was the end of the the u.s leg of this tour so yep. they those show they, all that combined it was the perfect storm they're always those shows are always special on their own but to have it just add that on on another as another layer of everything that made this show special i'm sure you know everyone everyone left that building knowing that they had seen something amazing yeah um even you know look my brother was at the show and he's 
as casual as you come with a Pearl Jam fan. He he knows most of the cat catalog, but you know, you do Pearl Jam Jeopardy with him, and he's not gonna get too many questions right. He's not avid. He's not studying. But he came out of that. I remember him loving it, and uh, it goes through the atmosphere. It goes through the energy. It goes through. Some of their song choices were just absolutely insane. Uh, you know, from Lucan being played with an orchestra accompaniment to uh, Hunger Strike with Ben Birdwell to uh, an unbelievable version of Better Man. Oh, yeah, that, uh, that, that's definitely... I mean, if you think about if we had done top 10 moments of the decade, that version of Better Man might be it comes that, close. that might be the best performance of any one song of this decade i mean there's a reason it was in the movie Waiting, It's, you know, it, it, it is it is like church. You sing in the choir, and you see the, you see the look on Ed's face and during the performance, and he's he's in it completely. He's he's blown away, and the, there's rare moments when a crowd and a band come together like that, and it's it's really special. Yeah, it, it was absolutely the perfect mix of just the whole entire energy uh, of everyone being there and, and knowing how special it was while it was going on and almost never wanting it to end. And, and it seemed like the whole entire night that there were surprises among surprises. So you would get something like, uh, Luke and two. And then right after you'd be like, Oh, how, how do they top this black, red, yellow? Well, they can't top that sweet Lou. All right, well, cool. Uh, I'm done expecting things for tonight. So if they go on and they play like you know alive and 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 leave, I'm fine with that because I've I've this has been awesome. But you know that version of Better Man comes after that. Uh, kick out the jams, Hunger Strike, uh, the real me, <laughs> like 
everything was just a a bigger and better thing than the last. Yeah, and we, and we talked about it too. Where so good. some people ask, you know, which which bootlegs are the best ones to get it. If you if you don't own this show or if you haven't listened to it in a while, do yourself a favor. Like go go get it, break it out. You know, uh, email us. I'll send it to you. Absolutely, it's all right. Uh, put it on your phone so you can listen to it whenever you want. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 definitely worth worth a listen to. I, it pops up for me every every couple of weeks. I go go back and listen to it. Yeah, I, you know, when going back and listening and covering the show for uh, the podcast, I just, all of those feelings came back to me that it's just like, I'm very few shows I can say that, holy crap, I was there and I can kind of feel like I was there again. That was absolutely one of them listening to the bootleg. You can feel like you're, you're back in that same moment, exactly where you were with the crowd and, and remembering the whole entire day. So that just in itself, this, that, that show, if, if it wasn't for that show, who knows if there would be this podcast, uh, cause I think that show got me to want to travel more. It got me to want to branch out and learn more about this band and, uh, love everything about them. So, you know, this is yeah, it, the it big des- moments is why deserves, we do this. It deserves a number one spot. Kudos to everyone yeah. who voted. Thank you so much cool. for participating. Congratulations. It's this show. It, it was always going to be number one. I think there was no chance it wasn't going to win. Yeah. Well, you know, with me at the helm, uh, <laughs> I would have, I would have found a way to, to, to get it up there if it wasn't. So, um, should we do some honorable mentions sure. since we got to the top sure. and then we'll recap what the top 10 were. Yeah, absolutely. All um, right. So, for me, um, I, I was at Greenville 2016, the Versus show. I'm, I'm a little surprised that one didn't didn't sneak in in, in the top ten. But um, that was number 26 oh, or 24, yeah, 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 24, yeah, yeah. 24. Um, that one for me was was amazing, top to bottom. We talk about we talked about Moline and people talk about the the album part of the show, but they always kind of forget about the rest. But yeah, Greenville. The versus part was amazing, but then the rest of the show is unbelievable too. As I was on the rail for that one, is unbelievable. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Period of any band. Um, also, uh, the two Wrigley shows in 2016 that I was at, unbelievable. Um, and then something like you know some of those 2013 shows um, that we talked about, have, we've done on the show haven't haven't popped up. You know, we talk about like a Brooklyn. You guys did that show. Um, Charlottesville, New Orleans. I would have thought, you know, that that Voodoo Fest show that we covered might have popped in there for me. That deserves an honorable mention for sure. But uh, yeah, those would be the ones uh, for me that that deserve uh, just an honorable mention. Yeah, uh, some others that made the list, and a lot of what you mentioned there, like Charlottesville and Greenville, all made the list mm-hmm. of top thirty. But you also have like. Denver 2014 that was on the anniversary of Pearl Jam's first show so they busted out some really cool stuff that show uh you know Toronto Night 1 2016 that's binaural uh Milwaukee 2014 yield 10 10 Adelphia is there most of the Wrigley's and Fenway's are on this list um but one of the really intriguing ones that I really want to go back and listen to more is Detroit 2014 and that was one that I guess I really wasn't expecting to make the list, but everybody speaks really highly of it. 
and uh, speaking to uh, when you picked Get Right in the fantasy draft right. that we did. So that night, they actually said uh, somebody had a sign that said, uh, it's been however many days since you've played Get Right. And they said something along the lines of, that song is about being really high and we'd have to be really high to play that song. <laughs> so it has not appeared since, I mean, we're on over a thousand days since that song oh, has sure, been appeared probably, sure. but, uh, you know, just fun moments that happened from that show that I, I never would have expected. That was after the Memphis show. So I kind of, you know, I've forgotten about it. A little yeah. Bit. And that Moline and, and Milwaukee always get a lot of love from that, that little run, but yeah, it's a Memphis was great in its own way. And there were, there were a, lot of, a lot of great shows on that run, the 2014 run. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we hit all the big things. Oh, Hartford, uh, 2013. I got to put yeah, that out there yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I, it wasn't my pick. It was it was the fans' pick. They put it on the list. It made the list. It got number twenty. So good for them for recognizing good shows. We're gonna do that show with you sometime, and you're gonna say, "All right, I give it to Hartford. You guys deserve good shows, and you get good shows." If you're if you're playing, you say that if, if you're playing the live on four legs drinking game, uh, you've got you've got a Hartford mention. So that's everybody. Uh... Hartford shows are incredible. I don't. I wasn't even born here. I. I don't. You know. I don't even live near Hartford anymore. It's just. It's just amazing that I've been to two shows that are spoken of very, very highly amongst Pearl Jam fans in a town that's not spoken very highly of. You know, amongst anybody. So, just throw that out there. Um, All right, our list. Let's go back and recap the whole top 10. Uh, number 10, Fenway Night 2, 2016. Number 9, Amsterdam 2, 2012. Number 8, Leeds 2014. Number 7, Moline 2014. Number 6, Safeco Night 2, 2018. Number 5, Toronto Night 1, 2011. Number 4, PJ 20 Night 1, 2011. Number 3, Wrigley 2013. Number 2, PJ 20 night two, 2011 and the number one show of the decade voted by you, the fans that is definitive 100% the answer. And the whole list is a hundred percent guaranteed. This is what the fans think and believe MSG night two, 2010. Well so done. There everyone. You have it. And yeah, congratulations. Like said, thanks everyone for participating in voting, taking the time out to do it. It, it means a lot. And, uh, it, uh, yeah, I think we ended up with a great list. We did. And we had great participation too. Yeah. I, you know, this was something I wasn't sure if you know if people were going to see it and things like that. But I mean, it sparked a ton of debate on the forums and uh, uh, whether or not it was positive or negative debate. I appreciate everybody's opinion that they brought to the table on that. So it was great. It was great to see people discuss it and uh, you know all that hype for almost two months, and we finally got there and got through this. So all awesome. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So. Now we're looking forward. We're moving on to the 2020s. Hopefully we have bigger and better things on the way. And uh, we have a European tour this year. Who knows if we'll have more or not. Uh, But from this podcast, we'll have more. That's for sure. Uh, Tomorrow, how about that, you patrons? If you're listening to this on January 1st, January 2nd, get ready. 
Bridge School series is starting on Patreon. So if you're not a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs and subscribe today and you will get all of our exclusive episodes, including all of the Bridge School series that's coming up and all of the Evolution series episodes that are up, including Wash and State of Love and Trust, Alive and Leash and Corduroy. So a lot of really, really good content on patreon and a lot more to come yeah so what are we still doing here let's go let's get into that let's keep it going yeah happy, all right happy new year everybody yeah we shall see you the rest of this year more and more next week we will uh, start our around the world series and give you a new zealand show to be named later so be on the lookout for that so uh this may be the end we're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. And I miss you always. Until next time, Randy and John, we will uh, look forward to the 2020s and what this band brings to us this decade. We shall see you then. Away we go. I can feel it!